Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by Scoped Vision. Y'all probably know of PhoneScope by now, right? It's that technology that allows you to hook up an adapter to your cell phone and then place that on your spotting scope or binos, and you can record what you're seeing through your optic. Well, Scoped Vision is the evolution of that technology, and now you can actually record your hunt through your rifle scope. You've got an adapter, it attaches to your scope, and you record right there with your cell phone. It's awesome. It's scoped vision. You can find it at phonescope.com. Kicking ass is getting old. Taking names takes its toll. On a worn out, busted, beat up soul like mine. Cars go by more than I blink And after my first whiskey drink I sing my song and make you think Good morning, good morning, good morning Cable Smith, welcome fine. everybody To the Lone Star Watch Outdoor Show Loved or hated, but never Outdoor Shasty Midnight River Choir Shine In that tune Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here It is great to be talking All things outdoors with you Hunting, fishing and all that implies we've got a lot to get into today but man oh man isn't it great to see a little sunshine yeah sun is finally out we had the 75 degree weather in texas this week spring might be here which is great because i'm gonna be chasing some gobblers next week um that being said i could do without the wind uh, blew part of the pergola off I mean, the, the roof of our pergola just got blown off the other day. Uh, my truck got hammered by hail again. And then my dear blind, the big chingone, had a tree fall on it. <laughs> Knocked it over. So uh, the wind, if people don't realize, North Texas, goodness gracious. The wind and storm's been a real pain in my rear of late. Uh, also, got to mention what happened in New Zealand, uh, mass shooting. Uh, last time I saw 50 people have been killed in mosques uh, by right-wing extremists. There is no place for hate, guys. Whether you're a hunter or an anti-hunter, it really doesn't matter. Whether you're Christian or Muslim, doesn't matter. There is no place for hate. It's just uh, we're, we are destroying ourselves as a society, uh, which I believe, you know, Hunting and anti-hunting is just a microcosm of, of what, that conflict is a microcosm of what's going on in our world today on a grander scale. And it's disturbing as a parent. I honestly fear for my kids every day and the rate at which our society is degrading is, it's alarming. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to those folks in New Zealand. Not much we can do for them, but uh, say that, you know, hey, we're thinking about them. Um, on a lighter note, here is what is on the docket for today's broadcast. You know what to do. Pull up your stool a little closer to the campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And we've got a special in-studio guest who will join us momentarily. Parker McCollum uh, is, man, he's taking the world by the you-know-what. And as a, as a fan of country music, He's one of the best things going right now. He's also got his head on a swivel, though, and spends all of his downtime 
chasing big East Texas bucks at his family ranch. Uh, so we'll talk some whitetail hunting here, some music, including a brand new tune that Parker just wrote last week. Uh, so lots of hunting, great music coming at you as Parker's got his guitar with him here in studio. Um, and then we will head up to the great state of Idaho to visit with First Light's Bridget Noonan. Uh, she recently drew a once-in-a-lifetime bull elk tag. And when I say once-in-a-lifetime, literally, you can only draw the tag one time or kill one moose. I think you can draw again if you're unsuccessful. But uh, we'll see how this hunt played out and if it was all hands on deck for the First Light team uh, if she was successful. Um, interested to know if this was like dedicated backcountry hunt where Bridget went into the uh, mountains for a week or if the trailhead was you know close to home or multiple trailheads and she could just hunt in the afternoon so lots to get into on that front regarding uh, a once in a lifetime bull moose tag and also uh, some new stuff coming out from first light this spring that you guys and gals will want to know about that's what's on the docket for today I'm certainly excited about it a couple other things to mention our March photo of the month. Con I can't believe it's already March. Our March photo of the month contest is going on right now. I've got a Stealth Camp DS4K trail camera, retail value three hundred dollars. We're going to give this away to one of you guys or gals. All you have to do use that hashtag LSOS photo contest. If you're posting a picture on Instagram, uh, I'll see it. If you use the hashtag, or you can post it on my Facebook page wall. Or just email it to LoneStarOutdoorsShow at gmail.com. And then our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of 2019 for our grand prize contest. And the winner will hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coombs Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs. Uh, so another great grand prize package brought to you by Coombs Canyon Ranch. One of y'all is going to get to tag a beautiful, I predict, axis deer. That's generally uh, what everybody wants over black buck. But, hey, don't slight the black buck. That's a pretty awesome animal as well. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. I do have right here a signed copy of our good friend Hank Shaw's Pheasant Quail Cottontail Wild Game Cookbook. So how about you email in the word wild game? Wild game. Maybe that's two words, but whatever. Email it to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into this week's giveaway. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Parker McCollum joins us live in studio right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You can have me. Whenever you want me, baby. Just call out and say my Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. 
Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. A little cooter draw for you today. Now, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Uh, we've got a very special in-studio guest here with us today. One of my favorite singer-songwriters. He also happens to be a diehard whitetail fanatic. Parker McCollum is here with me, uh, but before we get into things with Parker, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Optics, offering the latest and greatest in thermal and night vision scopes. Check out the new Pulsar Thermion, which has all the same you know great features you've come to love with the Trail Series, but the Thermion mounts on any 30-millimeter scope rings. Uh, so cool feature there from Pulsar. You can find it at Pulsar nv.com all right well let's go ahead and welcome our first guest to the show he joins me now in studio he's got his guitar with him so i think we'll do a little uh or he'll do a little picking for us today it's my pleasure to welcome parker mccollum to the show thank you for having me so how is life on the road treating you man it seems like you're just running and gunning nonstop. yeah it's man it's uh we get that question a lot and i just tell everybody you know it's as good as it's ever been <laughs> right now you know so yeah. um man it's just it's just you know a blessing to be on the road and having a lot of shows on the books right on so tell us a little bit about yourself for any of our listeners out there who uh, aren't familiar with you or your music talk about your upbringing and specifically, if hunting was a was a part of that, or, or fishing, or the outdoors, or if that's something you got into later in life, you're not that old. You told me on the way over here, you're only 26. Yeah, yeah, 26. Yes, sir. So, um, no, no, man, call me sir. No, it's too I'm late. It's old. too late now. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, man, yeah, I grew up hunting. I started. I think you know, I was old enough to go to the deer lease when I was. I think it was like eight. Once I turned seven or eight, you know, my brother and my dad, you know, were like, all right, he can go now. And then. Um, uh, but my grandpa's a big cowboy and uh, had a couple ranches and still does here in Texas. And, um, you know, so, I mean, we were, we were always, we spent the bulk of our time growing up out there hunting and fishing. And that was just kind of, uh, you know, I mean, we would do a whole father-son thing every year that was, that was totally separate from that. I mean, we was like, every chance it felt like, you know, we could get out, we were out there. Did you remember the first deer you ever shot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a nine point. I guess it. it it could Spoiled, have been a ten man. point, Nine but it, point. yeah. Well, and man, we were on a uh, that that was actually a really cool deal. That was when we were on a deer lease in Catula, Texas, which oh, is nice. down near the Golden Triangle. I mean, just you know, very large white-tailed deer down there, and yeah. uh, that was a low fence place. A lot of high fence places around it. I remember, and I was I was real young, man. I think I was nine or ten, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it was a uh, that was a great experience, man. Yeah. Man, yeah, him with most kids f- are lucky to shoot a spike or a doe yeah. for their first first year. I shot him with it. That was one of those, you know, and that was uh, we hadn't been on a place like that in a long time, and um, 
that was one of those places I think you got a trophy and two cold bucks, mm-hmm. you know, is whatever their management deal was at the time. And uh, yeah, my brother got a cold buck and I got a cold buck. So awesome. And mine actually was bigger than his and he's six <laughs> years older than me. So he wasn't too happy about that. Yeah, that's the way it goes. The way it goes. So uh, tell us um, tell us a funny, I'll put you on the spot here, uh, but I won't apologize for it. Uh, a funny uh, hunting camp story. It doesn't have to be deer camp. I, I don't know if you. Okay. Yeah. I've actually got one that comes straight to mind. Um, so this is actually uh <laughs> It was this was me and, and my buddy Co Wetzel and my old tour manager Jake Murphy, who's one of my best friends in the whole world. And um he's actually the one that introduced me and Co. And um and I had taken them all out to our ranch in Crockett. This was two deer seasons ago. Co ended up shooting a really uh big I think a I think he shot a big eight out mm-hmm. there. And um yeah, this is a couple years ago, but there was a uh, we were all out cooking, you know, after the first night we were gotten there, we were all out, we had a little grill outside the house at the ranch. And this house is like on this ranch is is I mean it looks like a, a porta can you know I mean it's it's rough, <laughs> but um, it didn't matter to us we had we had a grill in, in a bathroom you know so we were all right and we uh, uh we were grilling outside of the house and um there was a there's a front porch kind of little thing on it that uh, you can go through the sliding doors into the kitchen and between the wooden pillars of the front porch someone had nailed a two by four across two of the pillars so. You know, and I'm taller than Co and, and Jake, you know, so by a couple of inches. And, and so this thing was just like perfectly about in the bottom of it, met about right at the middle of my forehead. <laughs> and uh, we were standing there and all of a sudden I was like, man, we need to get some, uh, we need to get one of these steaks off the grill. We needed a plate real quick. So I turned to run inside and I take about six steps and that thing hits in the head. And I'm like, ah, man, that hurt real bad. So whatever, we get one of those steaks off the grill and we're standing there. This is only a matter of 20 minutes. We're standing there and or we need another plate for a steak. And sure enough, I turn around and I run inside. And I totally forget about the time seven minutes prior to this. I had smacked my head. But, man, I was in a full sprint on this one. And it took me smooth off of my feet with Co and Jake standing there looking at me, dude. And, man, I, I, had a, I think I had a minor concussion or something. I mean, I seriously – I don't think I've ever just flat out you how know, many Lone Star beers or whatever? We were, yeah, we were we were drinking. We were, into that. we were drinking a lot of beer, man, for sure. Um, and uh, but it was just I don't know, man. That was a that was a ear co shot that day. I'll never forget that. They still talk about that. Me busting my head on that. That's funny. That's funny. I my brother. Uh, I haven't ever told this story on the air, but I don't think he listens to the show anyway. Uh, but my brother had this he, this weird thing where he could drink all night and then like wake up and like go duck hunting like that's a great thing to have be totally sober this is 15 years mm-hmm. ago and he was drinking mad dog 2021 <laughs> we're like yeah. 22 23 years old and i just remember him opening the door it was really cold we were like tent camping he's like i'm gonna go get in the truck he gets in the truck and then next thing you know the door opens and then all this blue vomit spills out on the oh, side no. of the truck door I'm like, dude, what in the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, I, I don't know, man. And then, like, it was like four in the morning. And, like, two hours later, he's like, p- jumps up. He's like, let's go kill some ducks. Oh, like, yeah. See, I, man, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, when I was a kid, I was never much of a drinker when I was in high school and stuff. I didn't really, I still don't even really drink a whole lot. Um, but, I mean, of course, we always do when we're out there. And, man, I know better, you know, <laughs> now. I know better. If I'm really out there for me, I'm not out there trying to get somebody else a deer. Yeah, I probably won't drink too much beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing for me concerning hunting and somewhat transient lifestyle that, uh, well, I, it's not as compared to you. I mean, you're on the road all the time, mm-hmm. but during hunting season, say from September 1st to like February 1st, it's life on the road for me yeah. at least every weekend, sometimes weeks at a time, you know, uh, New Mexico for elk or right. whatever. 
And the one thing that uh, goes hand in hand with that is music. You know, I do this for a living. So a lot of hours a lot driving of people, down the road. A lot of people that like listen to podcasts all the time. And I tell people like my escape for, since I record and, and then I'm editing and all this other stuff is I just got to listen to music when that's me, my time by myself. That's cool. And so I found your stuff pretty recently. I'd say like last summer. That's cool. And uh, probably wrong. I, I, I'm dating myself a little bit. If it was a cassette or a CD, I'd have worn the thing, you know, plumb out. Yeah. So I, uh, and, and the that's songs awesome, are not man. Thank all you. like happy, you know uplifting which i like you know i think that's why i connected with it yeah uh, on some level which yeah they're not super bubbly yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is great uh so why don't you go ahead and uh play one of those for us I'll sure man probably absolutely wrong. yeah it's called uh it's called a hell of a year Yeah. 
Love that tune. Thank uh, you. Why don't we keep the music rolling? You want to do another one? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mace is a song off record, probably wrong. It's called uh, Misunderstood. It's probably my favorite off of Probably Wrong, man. Love that tune. It doesn't matter where you go to deer camp. If it's in Texas or Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. anywhere. They're not playing hip-hop or jazz or pop music. They're playing country music. Correct. Yeah, I think that's but after a couple of those Lone Stars, might <laughs> might be playing some rap music, for sure, driving around at nighttime spotlighting, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that's never happened. But uh, for the non-Texans out there listening, that's not illegal. You can spotlight rabbits and varmints in Texas, by the way. Um, but you know, that's the music that, that the hunting community identifies with. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And you're one of, you know, you're younger, um, you're the up and come, well, you're already here, but you're the younger generation of musicians. Trying to be, yes. So what do you think about Nashville today? 
in the man, direction I, that it's going. Man, you know, I spend a, a lot of time uh, in Nashville right now. Randy Rogers is my manager. He's managed me since I was 24. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a couple years now. Um, and he was the one that really pushed me to go there and co-write and, and really just to get better. You know, if you played basketball and you never left Texas, you know, how are you going to go with the pros if you don't go to the Mavs or the Rockets, right? right. So. He he really was the one who pushed me to go up there, and and I was of course you know I grew up I was the kid who was like, you know I'll never do that I'll never go there, and he was really the one that was like hey you know he's like if you really think you're good enough to go do this on that level, you know the people that can make it happen are in that town, and um, so after a while he just kind of wore on me, and I started going up there. He has a condo up there that actually we actually split now. I mean him both pay for it, and and for a year he he let me stay there for free. Um, he has a uh, a guitar there that I didn't have to take my guitar every time I went. Didn't have to check a guitar through the airport. Uh, I mean, he took such good care of me, put me under his wing so much, and showed me the ropes. And and he still goes. He's coming. Me and him will be there on the nineteenth and the twentieth of uh, of this month. Um, which I just flew from there again last night. But we'll be up there in a couple of weeks writing together uh, with my producer right now, John Randall, a guy named Randy Montana, who I've written a couple of songs with. And I wrote probably wrong in the limestone kid. You know, about ninety percent each one, totally on my own. Yeah. And uh, and which is still something I'm very committed to, and I write by myself all the time. You that's, should be proud of that. And that's that's kind of what what my thing was was going after. I didn't want to go write with these people, but I found some guys that really were kind of that away as well. Mm-hmm. And so we work really well together, and um, it's become a really cool thing, man. I mean, I've, I've you know meeting all kinds of people in in the record label industry, and and um, I don't know, it's. It, whether you go to Los Angeles or New York or Nashville, um, you know, or McKinney, Texas, you know, you're going to have good people and bad people, you know, people that want to help you and people that don't want to help you no matter what you're doing in life. Um, and there's, but there's a reason that Nashville is Nashville and the most talented people in country music live in that town. Why are they making such bad music then? I guess is the question. Like, Not because it makes money, man. <laughs> Why is McDonald's making bad food for you, you know? That, that is true. That is they true. make the most money doing it. horrible sound up on us and, and sure. they've been doing it for a long time. But man, it, maybe you guys, you know, you and Co and some of these other guys uh, in their mid-20s, can help mm-hmm. write that direction that I'm just like. I'm yeah, and so that's you know, and I know we're lucky to have you on Texas. You well, know? thank you, man. But you know that that's kind of my uh, that's been my whole goal. I think since the beginning was to go sign one of those major record deals, you know, and be the you know, and it's it's it, and it's been done. Casey Musgraves does a great job of it. She's on a major label. Chris Chris, er, Chris Stapleton does a fantastic job of it. He's on a major label. Randy Rogers was on a major label for ten years. Um, I mean, you name it, you know, like it, everybody, if you want to go take your band and, and always grow and not plateau, you're going to plateau in Texas. Everybody does it. Yeah. You're, there's, there, there is a ceiling here and, and that's a large ceiling. You're talking about a few million dollars a year ceiling. Um, and, and it's just one of those things, you know, if you can, if you can find a major record label or an independent record label, um, that'll let you keep doing your thing and isn't trying to make you sound like... You know, Florida Georgia line. Yeah, sure. And those, <laughs> I but their recent. And man, look, when I was a, when I was a kid, I <laughs> never. I was my older brother. You know, had me listening to, to really really old songwriting and, and country music at a really young age, and we were super anti that stuff when I was a kid. And I, I mean, I I would never listen to it. Right, it doesn't do anything for me musically. Right. But I those do, I'm not working harder than those guys. Yeah. You know, I'm not working any harder. On, if anything, they're working harder than me. You know, they got. <laughs> I mean, they're they're playing stadiums. You know, it takes more work than playing Lava Cantina. Right. Um, but so I I told uh, 
I don't even know if I can say this on air, but the publishing company I signed with in Nashville, which when I signed that, people were like, he just signed a record deal. I was like, no, I didn't. I signed a publishing deal. They pay you to write songs, yeah. um, which is a great thing, absolutely. And um, when I when I signed that deal, I um, kind of, uh, I don't know, it was my my stepping stone into that town to kind of be like, all right, maybe I can do this, you know, the real way and the right way. Yeah. Well, as long as you don't forget where you came from, and I know you won't. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick commercial break. Come back. I know you've got a brand new song you're going to play for us. Cool. Sound good? Sure. Perfect. And that segment was proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue, where after your turkey hunt this spring, maybe you tag that gobbler. Maybe you eat tag soup. Maybe you're getting off the lake. Uh, been chasing the crappie or those spawning largemouths, whatever the case. Head over to Rudy's and get yourself a big old heaping plate of Texas-style barbecue and wash it down with an ice-cold Lone Star beer. We'll be right back with more from Parker McCollum right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Somebody told me when I came to Nashville, son, you finally got it made. Old Hank made it here. We're all sure that you will, but I don't think Hank done it this way. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. And now my baby don't call no more Down her on a missing floor While I'm stuck in 303 With my hands tied in my feet Put your money where your mouth is As long as I can get what she's been There's Little Red Shahan 303 bringing us back on the Bone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club I'm Cable Smith Thank you so much for being here today, as we've still got Parker McCollum live in studio. Uh, before we talk some more whitetails and hear a brand spanking new tune, this segment of the show brought to you by John X Safaris. Uh, if you're looking to go to South Africa, well, this year, you can't go with me, our trip is fully booked up, which is awesome. There's six, no, seven other hunters going with me. Uh, on our third annual trip with John X. But, hey, already planning for 2020, or if you just want to go on a Plains game hunt, kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit, see what South Africa is all about, uh, John X is the place to do that. And, uh, of course, if you want to go full throttle and jump off the deep end right into the big five, well, Carl and his gang will cater to those desires as well. They'll hunt anything, anywhere on the dark continent. Check them out. John X Safaris for your next African adventure. All right. Uh, well, Parker, certainly appreciate you sticking around through the break, my friend. Thank you. So, musically, 
tell us um, some things that isn't what's in your regular rotation right now as far as give me an, something that's old and something that's new that you know you're you're listening to on iTunes or Spotify. Or you know, man, I I'm a big John Mayer fan. He's one of my favorites of all time. Um, so I've been listening to his new song really because I think he just put out that single. I've been listening to that a lot lately. Um, but I'm I'm real weird about it, man. I, I'm so uh, I'm not a moody person, but I'm I guess you could say in my music, you know. I mean, I'll I'll wake up at, on a on a day off. I'll wake up at you know six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, and that's not true. Maybe it's more like eight or nine. <laughs> but maybe my dad's listening. He don't even know that. And uh, um, man, I and I'll go try to go to the gym and work out and take care of myself somewhat, you know, in contrast to what goes on on the road. But um, I'll be. I mean, I'll go from slim thug and um lil wayne in the morning to i'll be listening to george jones and george Strait by lunch you know and and man i'm just i have a super super uh some kind of weird connection with melody you know any kind of and that's why the the nashville pop stuff doesn't really resonate with me right it's i mean it it, it, it does resonate with me in a little while but I, or a little bit but i can't listen to it yeah you know, because some of those melodies, they're as catchy as it gets, man. I mean, they they are, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> hey, some of them, some of them are not for sure, but man, they got they, you know some of those melodies and some of those artists. You know, like uh, Tim McGraw is a good example, man. I, I love Tim McGraw since back in the day. He has got some heater songs from '90s country, early 2000s. Um, but you know, he's got some stuff that he cut at one time or another. You know, that aren't like that. And um, but you know, I, and so I'll go to early Tim McGraw by the afternoon and man i'm not lying it's 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 crazy it's the other day i went from eve six i was watching the movie out cold uh-huh. and there was an eve six song on the soundtrack and i was like i gotta listen I to that i my pride or i could yeah. do whatever it's the uh, anytime by eve yeah. six oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. that takes me back ways yeah so i mean i i really do man i there's i like a lot of kind of music but um Nothing yeah. but faith nothing. yeah well it but no matter where i go you know it, it all comes back to country music at some point or another so yeah. Well, so um, musically, what is on the horizon for you? Man, I don't know. Speaking of major record labels, I don't know. We're talking with some of those right now, trying to see if that's the right route for us. Um, and um, yeah, it's really about whoever's going to – we're trying to put out a new album this year, you yeah. know. So if there's a record label that will, you know, kind of cater to our timeline and let me do what I'm doing and just put it on a bigger stage, I'm all about it, no doubt. Yeah. But um, you know, the thing is, like, you don't want to have that – label come and say now you do this Nashville no correct song. yeah and so um and then people are gonna say oh we remember that parker mccollum mm-hmm. he was great when he was 26 and then he sold out and yeah <laughs> and so and dude you can't really sell out nowadays yeah. you can't they can't give you a million dollars tomorrow they don't have that kind of money to just dish away to every artist they're signing yeah. um and so the, i mean when people say that they sell out for signing major record deals you can't do that anymore you know like cody johnson signed with Warren, everybody said he sold out. No, he did not. Yeah. And they just did 10 years hard ticket selling touring, and they're going to put him on a bigger stage. So he signed a deal to give him a little piece of the pie to put him on a bigger stage. You know, and that's his business at the end of the day. And more people can hear better music. Exactly. And that's my thing, man. I want to take what I do across the world. And if that means signing a major record deal to go be able to play in Japan and um, Seattle and um, Hawaii or but wherever the hell we were lucky enough to go, Australia, then yeah, I would absolutely do it. But um, I can't fault you for that. So you're working on a new record, mm-hmm. but yeah. So if we can get a, if we can get a label to you know basically just say, hey, we dig what you're doing right now. We just want to push it really, really big and put a whole bunch of money behind it and blow it up. 
Hell yeah, let's go <laughs> rodeo, rodeo time, no doubt. But uh, yeah, and and if 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 it, if they don't come with a you know an offer or whatever that that suits those you know what we want to do, cool man, I'm totally fine to to go put a, another one out on my own as an independent artist. So, well, so you're working on a new project right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you've got something brand new that you can play for us. Oh yeah, just brand. Uh, it's about seven days old. Awesome. I played this song one time live acoustic last week. Um, in Lubbock, so it's called Young Man's Blues. Used to run it down County Road 2854. Now I'm the boy that don't come around no more. Sometimes I wonder if they'll even still remember my name. Light a cigarette and roll the windows down. Still hear them diesels humming out of town What if I'm scared to go back? What if nothing's the same? Well, it just might be the hardest thing I'll do Well, I can't seem to shake these young men's Still see them double gates swinging out wide Nowadays that iron fence don't seem so high Wonder if that rodeo man still lives across the street Don't want to say goodbye but it's time I guess Next time I drive I hope it hurts a little less Growing up ain't all it's cracked up to be Well, it just might be the hardest thing I'll do Well, memory lane won't let me roll on through Well, it just might be the hardest thing Well, I can't seem to shake these young men's blues Used to run it down County Road 2854 Now I'm the one who don't come around no more Sometimes I wonder if they'll even still remember my name Awesome, man. Love that tune, and that will be on the upcoming record, which we don't know when that will be, but sometime yes. this year probably. It, my whole goal is to put it out in 2019. I've awesome. kind of put the pressure on me and the guys to be in management to be like, hey, we got to get the ball rolling. So <laughs> so something to look forward to. Oh, yeah. Um, well, switching things back to the, to the hunting realm here for a second, I was uh, looking at your – or I saw it pop up on your Instagram feed. Oh, it was during hunting season. Monster, non-typical buck, uh, which we were talking about on the ride over here. But yeah, you shot that. It was a high fence deer. Well, I mean, you look in the studio. Some of these deer came off of high fence axis deer. You know, there's a 220-inch white tail yeah. drop time. I wasn't going to turn down that opportunity. <laughs> no, and I, and I wouldn't either. I don't yeah. even want to knock high fence hunting. I am not one of those people. Yeah. Because like, at the end of the day, how you hunt doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. How I hunt doesn't affect you. 
she would make you happy. It all tastes the same. Mm-hmm. Whether it actually probably tastes better on a high fence. Yeah, probably what protein. Yeah, and less stress on that animal. Um, but yeah, but if it comes down to splitting hairs, I think we both agree that a low fence trophy is infinitely more valuable, more impressive. But it's also incredibly more satisfying. You know, yeah. I shot that. I shot that deer on that ranch um, on a mon- uh, on a Tuesday morning. Uh, no, no, on a Monday morning, and then seven days later, on the following Monday morning. That 150 I shot on our place out in East Texas is 150 on the money, walked out 10 minutes after daylight. And that, when I smoked him, I mean, dude, it was <laughs> religious. I was the only person, you know, my my I'm, my little cousin was, was in a stand down for me about probably 750 yards, 1,000 yards away. And he could, he was watching everything with binoculars. He saw me shoot it and everything. And, um, and so I had somebody there this time. Usually I'm the only person out there, but. I just lost it, you know. When I shot the when I shot the non-typical, it was cool. We were all freaking out, you know, because we had hunted him for three days. It was a humongous high fence ranch. Yeah. Um, so he's not just standing out there in the front yard, but um, it's just different. And when you shoot, you know, a low fence, free-range buck that you've been chasing, you know, and you've been putting in the hours to be there when he comes by that one time and he finally does on your place you've been hunting on since you were five years old, yeah, yeah that feels better. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I mean, see that, that monster – 220 inch deer and then look at this little Drop thing in the time. corner look at that little guy over there that was at 10,500 feet in new mexico on public land in the mountains little mule deer buck and he's wow. like what is he a three by three maybe <laughs> yeah that's the one i want to if you said hey tell me about something that he had that, let me tell you about yeah that. you know that's a trophy mm-hmm. uh, but it's in the eye of where did you say is that a black bear uh yeah where did black you bear uh, that's from alberta yeah. Really, uh-huh. man! I had a girl come up to me at a show in uh, in um, Ardmore, Oklahoma, this last year. She was—I mean, dude, she couldn't have been seventeen, eighteen years old. And um, that was before—that was before we even had the bus. We were uh-huh. in the van, and I was sitting in the van, and she come knock on the door, open the door. I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" She says, "I want to show you a picture of this black bear I shot. I now hold the record for the largest black bear ever shot in Oklahoma." Oh wow! And it, it was—I mean, this—it was. 11 times the size of her. I mean, did it was she told me a picture of it. it was huge, man. Um so I would I would love to shoot a black bear. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, so do you have to be conscious or or worry about because not all of your fans hunt, mm-hmm. you know? I'd say a lot of them do. Um but do you have to be particular about putting that stuff out on your social media accounts? Man, I think the the very very small percentage of people who truly have something to say about what you're doing on your own private land and your own private time uh stir up way too much of a ruckus then you know i mean it, it's just a little bit dramatic it's like it's propaganda you know that's it's more than it is mm-hmm. if you look at the mass as a whole or the majority as a whole of especially people who know even know what country music is, whether they've never listened to it in their life, they probably know, right? It's the the stereotypical concept is, you know, ding dong, dumb guy, country yeah, boy, yeah. out in the woods, overalls with a, you know, what's the dude off of the Bugs Bunny? He had the big, oh, um, yes, and yeah. uh, whatever the dude always <laughs> went around shooting the rabbits, yeah. and yeah, that's like their idea of it, right? And so, if you listen to country music and and you think the guys that are singing it aren't hunting you know you I, I don't i don't really even know what to you know i don't have much for you you know you yeah. can figure that out on your own on your own time on your own private land yeah wait till you have a uh, six and four-year-olds and you'll reconnect with bugs bunny you'll oh i'm sure i mean dude I, I i think i'd really enjoy it you know yeah. oh yeah tom and jerry has turned out to be yeah like going back in time That's at least they're watching it. classics and not like the wiggles and stuff oh, like yeah. that yeah not, not that they would turn that down either but yeah i'm trying to 
keep them on the sure. Hey, hey, let's watch some Scooby Doo. Yeah, man. that's good stuff. Um, like uh, like most musicians, I assume you get invited to to go hunting mm-hmm. a lot. It's probably mostly on the weekend though. Um, um, unlike a lot though, you own, you have your own place. So I think a lot of these guys, like I was telling you, I'm friends with Zane. We go hunting a couple times a year, uh-huh. but he gets invited all the time. Hey, come to my ranch this weekend, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I'm trying to make a living on the weekend. Yeah. So how do you manage that as far as still having time to get into the outdoors while you're touring, you know, playing three, three, three nights a week? Man, my, so my thing, my thing has become, um, you know, what I'll tour all year. I'll go to Nashville all year to write, whatever, on the weekdays. I'll do all the BS all year long so that on October 1st to December 31st or January 3rd or whatever it ends in Houston County, um, I have, you know, I, I can say, I can tell management, I can tell booking, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the next three months, mm-hmm. you ain't going to see my ass. I'm out. <laughs> and uh, and I'll have all, I'll have my truck loaded down, man, so when, we get off, when I get off the bus in the Cabela's parking lot conveniently is where we do bus call in Austin. Mm-hmm. I'll get in my truck and I'll drive three hours straight to the ranch. I'll be there by myself for three days. Every now and then I have a buddy come out, Cole come out. Um, you know, maybe my uncles are coming out there on a weekday. You know, they work in a concrete company, which it's only an hour from that ranch. They'll pop up and see what I'm doing. For the most part, I'm out there by myself. And, man, I just get after it. And I'll sit all day from sun up to sundown in a pop-up blind in the ground if I think, you know, my tree stand's kind of – you know they kind of figured out that I'm up there. I'm I'm like almost superstitious about it. I'm like so you like to bow hunt then? Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm ch- I try, man. I hadn't I hadn't shot a deer. I've I've been bow hunting for two or three years now, and I still have not smoked on my with my bow. In fact, I had a little TV show that my buddy was running at the time this past year come out, and they they had this deer, and I was like, man, I know he's gonna be there this week. There's no way he's not going to. So they come out there. We get all the camera stuff set up night before. We're gonna go hunt in the morning the night before about ten o'clock and he dry fires that bow in the living room, snaps it off the cams. Oh my god. So oh my god. I know. So I did not uh and I and I just you know, I what, five days later I shot that deer with a gun and I was like you know, and then we had the naughty or nice tour with me and Co, which uh-huh. you're not you know, you're you're still awake when they're getting out of the stand that yeah. time of year, you oh, know. Yeah. So I uh I don't know, man. It's it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to pull it off on my schedule, but yeah. <laughs> I respect that though. You thank know, you. Yeah, somehow I'm lucky enough to do it. And sometimes not, you know. I mean I'll I'll get out there and you know, all of a sudden it's like something will come up and I won't be able to go out there for like fourteen days in November and I'm like <laughs> you know, that's what other time of year do you want to sit in a bow stand in November? So Do you do much writing while you're out there or is that an escape and just kind of let leave all of the work stuff? Yeah, this year, this year I did not. You know, I don't even think I took a guitar out there. Well, no, that's not true. I had one out there with me most of the time, but I never, I, I just wasn't picking it up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and so I don't have any service out there. You know, so when management has, it's yeah, like it's heaven. great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it really is, and it's just beautiful views. But of, uh, man, I'll just, I've got to go into town. You know, between hunts, if I don't sit all day, you know, and shoot back emails and stuff like that, and then run back out there and hunt and. And that time of year, the damn sun, you know, I mean, the days are so much shorter. If we got rid of daylight savings time, you know how much longer we can hunt in the <laughs> afternoon? Yeah. Long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so other than, than deer, what would you say is something you enjoy hunting or something that's on your, your bucket list? Um, man, I would say a bucket list would probably just be a, a big elk. Um, and, you know, I and man, I want to go shoot um, – I, I, I like my uncle's safari hunts his whole life in Africa. He's been all over the damn world. My roommate's uh, granddad, uh, you know, had completed the Grand Slam like three times. Wow. Every, what is it, every uh, tagged large game animal 
Yeah, uh, Super Slam on the North American on, or on yeah. the, in North America or something uh-huh. like that. So it's a pretty you know, elite list. Those uh, the sheep tags are. They're not. Uh, you should see his. <laughs> you should see. His, they own a propane company in my hometown. You should see there. It's pretty insane. But you know, and so I, I've been around guys that do that a lot. And uh, but man, it, it, other than whitetail, um, man, I, I'm getting to go turkey hunt pretty soon. But there's not really uh, whitetail. Really, is my thing, man. And all my buddies duck hunt so much, but. You know they go out there and they're smoking and drinking and it's social time. You know that's on that's their social there. yeah that's that's <laughs> their social time and uh, and man I'm I'm hounded but when we're on the road dude from the time I get up to the time I go to bed dude someone's you know you're doing something with somebody somewhere and so yeah I I stick to my whitetail hunting man at the ranch and you know that's kind of my time to go out there and just. Right sit there and stare into, <laughs> into nothing. There's that, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, oh, that's church, man. Yeah, I that's took it for church. granted when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, awesome, dude. It's been great getting to know you. Cool, Big man. fan of your music. Like I said, I'm in the truck a lot, and it's one of the first things that is in my rotation. And uh, if you want to plug your website, social media stuff, where folks, can yeah, man, that website's parkermacallum.com. Any social media that exists, I think we're on it. Um, you'll probably see me running around doing dumb stuff. So I'm going to buy I'm going to buy a new dirt bike on Friday and take it out to the ranch. So follow us on Instagram. You can check that out on Friday, Friday or Monday, whatever day I get to get away. So right on, right on. Yeah, cool stuff. Well, hey, thanks again. Cool. Thank you for having me. So there he goes, the great Parker McCollum. Uh, what a treat having him here in studio with us today. That segment of the presentation brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Guess what? We had 60-mile-per-hour winds out of my dear lease around Wichita Falls this past week. A tree fell on the big chingo, knocked it plumb over. Not a good situation. Doors off the hinges, glasses everywhere. Uh, deer blind actually is a little warped from the impact. I mean, whew, that was a lot of force. No problem, though. I called Zach Gates over at All Seasons. He's my buddy, and it's a family-owned operation. And Zach said, you know what, man? That's uh, unfortunate. If you can just get it to Tyler... We'll get it sorted out. We'll get it fixed, repaired, or get you a new one. That, my friends, is customer service. They'll do the same for you. Uh, you can find them. Their entire line of blinds and feeders at allseasonsfeeders.com. We will be right back with a good friend of the show. We're going to talk some moose hunting as Bridget Noonan of First Light drew a once-in-a-lifetime Idaho moose tag. How did that hunt play out? We'll find out next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor when Show. I grow up, I want a cowboy with dust all over his jeans. With a horse named Jack and a ten gallon hat. He is nice, but he looks so mean. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. 
Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. In the cold, it's going 90. Love is blindly falling, head over heels over you. Yeah, but feeling that we felt was a feeling that felt brand new. And you love just like it. That's an oldie, but a goodie right there. Aaron Watson bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here, riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for being a part of the presentation. It's great to be here talking outdoors with you as uh, we're all set to check in with First Lights, head of marketing, our good friend Bridget Noonan. But before we do that, this segment of the show brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. When it comes to putting one's money where their mouth is, <laughs> DSC talks the talk, but they also walk the walk. They're passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. To get plugged in with this great group of like-minded folks, check us out at biggame.org. All right. Well, what do y'all say we talk a little moose hunting? Uh, Bridget Noonan, head of marketing over at First Light, recently drew the once-in-a-lifetime Idaho moose tag. And so we'll get into that now. Bridget, thank you so much for being here. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Absolutely. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself as far as where you're from and uh, how long you've been in the uh, the hunting community as far as, you know, working with First Light. Yeah, I'm actually from the Chicago area. So I was like a suburb girl growing up. And, and you like guns. I do. <laughs> Believe it or not. Not common for Chicago or not what Chicago but is known for. Like, yeah, and that's why I feel like I I wish I had been introduced to hunting earlier in life. So it's been, you know, a learning curve for me for sure. I probably started when I was 23 uh-huh. uh, and I'm 33 now. So I guess I've got 10 years in the industry. Um, but it's been awesome being actually working in the industry because I'm around folks that can teach me how to do it, how to do it well. And, um, I'm obviously, you know, I have access to cool gear to, to try out and clearly working for first light is, um, not a bad deal as far as, you know, testing apparel and working with guys that know what they're talking about and have been able to serve as, you know, mentors to me. So I first got into hunting, actually, I've got more of a white tail background than anything. Um, mm-hmm. I took a job, I was working in Western Pennsylvania and I was a buyer for hunting apparel, but that's, I just traveled a lot and I went on a lot of different whitetail hunts and a little bit of turkey hunting here and there. Um, but Western pursuit was totally foreign to me through that relationship. I ended up getting recruited to come out and be the marketing director for the company. Um, and it's been three years now. So I've had a couple seasons under my belt, but really this past fall was the first time I like really got after what I planned to, my, my season was planned to be really mostly like over-the-counter Idaho elk and mule deer, uh-huh. and everything changed because I just got lucky as hell and drew a once-in-a-lifetime bull moose tag, which has just consumed my life for the past <laughs> eight months. <laughs> yeah, and, and I want to talk a lot about that today. Um, but first, what about the First Light women's line? Have you been, you know, a big part of testing and, and, and helping design those things specifically designed for women because you know every year it seems like that demographic continues to grow and and certainly we're we're glad that it is yeah 
that's one of the things that actually attracted me most to First Light to begin with, because I tested a lot of different women's gear as a buyer. And so at one point I was pretty unbiased about this, but I loved that First Light was actually making gear for women that was just as technical as men. So I got into the base layer, really started to understand the benefits of wearing merino wool and just how important that was on any hunt that I went on. Um, and now being part of the team, yeah, it's fun to be part of that development process. I can't take credit for any of the design piece of it, but I definitely get to wear a test. I get to give my input on what I'm looking for, um, how to make it specific for female hunters and what pieces are most important to that collection. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see the company really get behind that growth. And I mean, you know, the upcoming 2019 year, we're about to release our, our women's line and the expansion there is so exciting. And the feedback we get from our female customers is it certainly proves that this is a gap in the market that people haven't been doing a good job of. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure it's said all the time, but the women's market seems to be the fastest growing segment within hunting. Um, and so it's cool to see girls getting out there and, and crushing it just as hard as men. And they don't need something that's, you know, we kind of jokingly call it like pink it and shrink it. They need the technical gear yeah. that's going to keep them out there longer. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Well, you talked about merino wool, and I've been hardcore backpacking for, oh, since I turned 21. I'm 37, so 16 years. That's when my dad invited me on his first, uh, they call it this mountain man trip. And uh, him and his buddies would go to New Mexico. And well, I don't remember what I took on that first trip. I probably had jeans and like long underwear that I bought at Walmart, you know. That's just what I thought was normal. And then you sit there in your tent and you've got all your clothes on and you're still freezing your ass off. And you're just like, uh, you know, it's the most blissfully miserable experience one can have. But then you you get Merino wool, the latest and greatest um, and, and technology there. Is, uh, I can't imagine not going into the backcountry wearing Merino wool <laughs> ever again. I know. <laughs> it, changes, it changes things once you get into it. And that's like our, our best introduction. If there's a if there's somebody who hasn't worn first sight, usually um I just get them into like literally a pair of boxers. Just start with one merino base layer and you will understand, especially if you're somebody who's spending a couple of days in the backcountry and don't want to carry a lot of things with you. It's just so versatile. Oh yeah. And typically that's that's all it takes to, to switch somebody and they usually don't go back to synthetics. Never again. I mean, you can't imagine yeah. doing that. And even like uh, spring turkey hunting, you know, um, it's cool in the mornings. And mm -hmm. merino wool keeps you warm. And then it keeps you cool when the sun comes up and you start sweating. It, I don't know what it is about it, the technology, because uh, obviously I'm, I'm not a designer or have any any knowledge of, of what goes into that. But I know that it, it just keeps me dry. It wicks the, the, uh, the sweat away. And, you know, the sun might be up and it's 85 degrees, which is hot, um, but you're cool. So, you know, it's uh, extremely versatile and, and it's something that you wear all day long. It's not one of those things you have to take off and, you know, put something else on. Exactly. And it's one of those things that because of that breathability and how quickly it dries, it's, it's something I wear literally for everything at this point. If you're somebody who spends time outside doing anything other than hunting, it's just as important. I mean... We live in a ski town here, so, you know, I wear it on the hill. Um, a lot of guys are wearing it mountain biking, um, and I even just wear it kind of on a day-to-day as, -day like, a casual piece, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this uh, this moose hunt as we transition into the uh, 
the meat and potatoes. Well, I don't eat potatoes, but the meat of the conversation <laughs> here. And this moose hunt, it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime hunt. So you're not a, um, a long-time resident of Idaho. How many years have you put in for this specific hunt? This is my second year, which probably makes some people hate me that <laughs> <laughs> I put in. I, I, I couldn't exaggerate how lucky I got with this. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'd, um, my first year moving to Idaho, somebody here in the office gave me a little bit of ground moose meat from an Alaskan hunt that they had gone on, and I loved it. I mean, it, it's venison, but it's just delicious and super lean, and um, I, somewhere along, I think, that, that night, I decided, yeah, I want to figure out how to get on a moose hunt, and I never really thought it would be in Idaho because it's just a very difficult tag to draw here. Um, but I put in, and yeah, this year I managed to draw it. And here in Idaho, um, it's the big three that are considered lifetime hunts. So um, you can, once in a lifetime, if you are so lucky to draw, you can shoot a moose, a sheep, and a mountain goat. And that's that's it. Then you're done. As soon as you harvest it, you're done. So yeah. I can no longer hunt at bull moose in Idaho, which is kind of a good feeling, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so what if you're unsuccessful uh, in in your hunt? And yep. you, you, you come home empty-handed. Do you get to put in for that tag again? Yeah, you have to wait a year, and then you can put back in. And I'm I'm not sure the odds behind it. I think you, I'd assume you still have as good of odds as anybody at that point. You just gotta wait a year. And what were the odds? For my year, um, I believe it was seven percent. Okay. And there's three total tags. So it was myself and two other hunters um, in the area which it covers three different game units. but So it's a very large oh, okay. area to hunt, which is somewhat overwhelming. Right. Um, but the cool thing about that, it's very unlike any elk and mule deer hunting around here where it's, you know, obviously pretty competitive. And so the whole community kind of helps you out. Like I got a lot of text messages, <laughs> photos and locations, and I can probably tell you just about where every bull moose was as of November here in Idaho. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy how the hunting community will come and uh, come to bat for each other, help each other out, so long as they're not okay. giving up the GPS coordinates to their elk honey hole, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So so you put in, you get drawn. Um, what happens next? Oh, you know, actually, how much did this cost? And, and then I wonder, you know, I'm selfishly thinking, what, I wonder if an uh, out-of-stater out can put in for this tag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, non-residents can apply as well. Um, odds being a little bit lower still. And I I think it was three years ago that one non-resident actually did draw this tag. Huh. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I I think this year they were all residents. I, I met two guys who I'd never met before and have now become friends with because, um, obviously, we communicated a lot about how our hunts were going and where we were looking. And I was actually the last one of the three to fill it. So by the end of it, <laughs> I was getting called daily from those guys. Hmm. I think they were more worried about it than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and dollar-wise, uh, what did that cost you? And I'm sure it would be more for a, a non-resident. but Yeah, I couldn't tell you what the non-resident was. The resident was only, I think it was $120. $120. $120? $120. So I have... Gracious. A full freezer and a half of meat <laughs> this year for one hundred and twenty dollars. Oh my gosh! I mean, I think yeah. I burned one hundred and twenty bucks just buying points in. Uh, I mean, yeah. In it's, Utah, like last week, for sure. That's crazy. There's some really cool 
both draw opportunities and over-the-counter opportunities as a resident in Idaho. Don't tell yeah. anybody that, though. No, no, no one's <laughs> listening. Uh, Bridget, certainly enjoying the conversation. Still a lot more to get into. You know, once you get an animal this size on the ground, what happens next? I'm sure you you had the uh, cavalry on standby. Um, are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And that segment was brought to you by the new Lone Star Beer 24-7, only 68 calories, 2.1% alcohol. It's perfect for running around the deer leaves, filling feeders all day. Maybe you're celebrating a full stringer of crappie or uh, punching a tag on that big tom this spring. Whatever the case, make it a Lone Star 24-7 Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. We'll be right back with more from First Lights. Bridget Noonan, you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And all them pretty people up on El Cerrito Place, they all got something in their pockets, all got something on their Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the system hog trap. Comes in two sizes, 17 foot and 30 foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts just 30 minutes south of DFW. If you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs, you need to give them a call. Hunts are $250 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $150 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you listen to my good buddy Cable Smith with the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Ain't nowhere and there ain't no light, and there ain't no way to make it out alive. His wedding was planned for the 5th of July, but Jesse got trapped. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our longtime presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Uh, we are talking once-in-a-lifetime Idaho moose tags with First Lights, Bridget Noonan. And we'll hear how that hunt played out as Bridget was fortunate enough to draw that coveted moose tag. But before we jump back into that conversation... A little side note for you, the uh, Trump administration and acting Interior Secretary David Bernhardt announced on March 6th that they will be or plan to lift protections for gray wolves in the lower 48, which is great news for the Great Lake states, Michigan, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, because they are overrun with wolves and don't have any recourse as far as you know how they can deal with them. Uh, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho are uh, are able to manage their own wolf populations, which is long overdue. And there's been so much mistrust between the feds and the states regarding, you know, broken promises. Uh, hopefully this does indeed get passed. And you all know that I am not one for wolf eradication. They're awesome. They're just really good at their job, which is killing. And they need to be managed just like any other species. So um, 
Let's get back into it here with Bridget Noonan. Uh, this segment, by the way, is brought to you by the First Light Sawtooth Hybrid Jacket. Perhaps the most versatile piece in my kit, this zip-up hoodie is constructed of 300-gram merino wool with DWR nylon, which helps provide that water-resistant nature of the sawtooth. Um, highly recommend it. It is uh, the second piece to most layering systems, and you can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. Well, Bridget, thanks for sticking around through the break. So tell us what caliber you ended up taking on the moose hunt, and then what kind of hunting was it? Was it uh, going to the backcountry for three, four, five days at a time, um, or were you able to just, you know, due to the close proximity of the trailhead to your house, and we're able to just go in in the morning and, and pack out that same day. Well, um, so the season is a long one. It started August 30th and it ended at the end of November. So I basically had through Thanksgiving to get it done. And so day one, when I knew I drew the tag, um, I started, you know, contacting all the moose hunters I know for advice and kind of starting from square one, like wanting to do it right, wanting to be educated on how to hunt these things. And like, just like you asked on caliber, like what weapon to bring? Cause it was actually an any weapon hunt. So technically, I could have bow hunted it. Um, I think where my head was, I've had, I've certainly bow hunted a lot, but it was always with whitetail. And for this size of an animal, I wasn't confident that the poundage on my bow was even going to get it done. So sure. that really was never an option for me. So I have a Weatherby 308 which again, isn't even really something that I think anyone would recommend you take on a moose hunt, but in researching and in talking to a lot of guys who know a lot more about ballistics than I do, um, everything pointed to it'll get it done as long as you know where you're shooting and you're you're a good shot. So it really came down to practicing a lot and making sure I felt confident with that. Um, so ultimately, I didn't end up, you know, purchasing a heavier gun or anything like that. You know, I've heard um, a I, lot of uh, local people like in Alaska or, you know, wherever um, use a 308 for moose hunting. And then like people that travel to these places – uh, never take something that light. And it's like, I compare it to right. Texas. A lot of people in Texas hunt whitetail with the 243, but yep. nobody coming to Texas to hunt whitetail is going to show up with the 243, you know? Exactly. And yeah. I get it. Like you want to be overprepared and, and it's like a perception for sure, but it's really about shot place, uh-huh. shot placement. Um, and you know, obviously I bumped up to the highest green bullet I could go with, but it was, I don't want to like give away the end yet. Like it, it did the job. <laughs> I'm happy that I wasn't, carrying around a lot of extra weight on me or, you know, sure. having to sight in a new gun or anything like that. But, um, so, so yeah. Did you so start in August one. then when the season opened? Yep. And that's, that was really strange because I had a lot of close encounters in August. So to sort of lay out where this unit is, it's literally in our backyard. So I could leave work and go hunt. Hmm. And on the weekend, obviously, I could be out all day and get deeper into the backcountry, but I could hunt every day. And I think um, what was tough and what was really messing with my head is that with those close encounters, I didn't really, what what really kept me up at night was trying to get a bull moose over a thousand pounds out of the back country, obviously with (laughs) support, but add in 85 degree temperatures. And I was, I was just really not sure how this was all going to come together. So while I was getting into moose um, and actually a lot of cows, I, I, it probably took me about 30 days to actually find my first bull. Um, 
30 days. I, I wasn't confident in taking that shot because I was just worried about losing so much meat. Uh-huh. Um, so, I don't know, as the season went on, uh, Mule Deer opened here in Idaho in October, and that's when things really started to heat up. Um, and I, I found, like, it got to the point where almost every time I went out, which was probably about every other day, I was getting into bull moose, which is super cool. And like that, that's the coolest thing I think about the season. And the thing I miss the most is just having so many encounters Mm -hmm. and just observing them and getting to know them a little bit. And, and the weird thing is it's, it's an animal you don't see that often here, but when you start looking for them, they're everywhere and they're not that far. um, You don't typically have to get, you know, six and seven miles into the back country to find them. So I went into the season wrongly thinking you know that it could end up being somewhat of a road hunt like I might be able to see at least a lot of action you know within a mile of a trailhead and Uh while occasionally that happened it turned into a little bit more of a grind for me um are you hunting solo most of the time I do a lot of solo hunting but I definitely spent because it's such a cool and unique tag a lot of people wanted to join me and I'm obviously happy for the support so I'd, I'd say I hunted with every person in the office at least once and, you know, learn something from everybody while doing that. And um, the two other guys with the tag got to know them a little bit and um, certainly made connections through their networks and expanded their own network of, you know, hunters and spots and understanding the different canyons around here. So um, learning curve was high, um, and, but I wouldn't trade that. I mean, after this season, I know more about the Valley we live in than than I could have in five years. It seems like I crammed about five years of experience into one season, which is super cool. Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I know nothing, generally speaking, about, about moose. I have seen them on uh, a couple to- a couple trips to Canada. Yeah. And But, I mean, I wasn't moose hunting, and I don't really know anything about the animal. I am, uh, oddly enough, though, going to Newfoundland in October for my first moose hunt. So that's it's, right. Uh, oh, I can't uh, wait for you. That's, that's cool going to be so fun someone who recently experienced, you know, uh, what I'm going to be going through, although I'll be going with an outfitter. So not quite the same thing. Uh, you, you learned a lot of this, um, you know, on the fly and, and with the help of, of other people, like you said, the, the other yeah. guys that drew the tag. So, okay. So August pretty much, um, was, you know, and I, I wonder about that too, about the meat spoiling. If you've got a thousand pound animal down, you said 85 yeah. degrees. Um, so when did you actually, find the moose that you ended up taking how far was the shot and how did that hunt play out i actually had photos of him um as early as october i'd say Mm -hmm. um but i ended up killing him on november 15th which was i I honestly i think it was like a week before the season ended maybe like a week and a half so the stress was starting to get to me and on top of that i should add in i managed to actually draw another pretty cool tag a late season cow elk tag which is um, only one week season. So it's, it's literally the opposite of what I was doing with the bull moose, which was this long drawn out season. It was like quick get in and get out. Uh-huh. So the morning that that season opened, which was I think um, November 11th, if I remember right, or 10th, I was like the amount of stress knowing I had two big game animals to put on the ground in the <laughs> course of a week and a half. It's <laughs> a little bit much. Um but I ended up getting lucky with the elk getting into a herd and actually filling that tag on day one of that season. So I could kind of switch my focus once everything was packed out and butchered. I could kind of switch my focus back to the moose and just, just do that for uh-huh. the last week of the season. 
Um, in the morning that I shot him, I got a call from that buddy that I keep mentioning who also had this tag and who actually filled it early in the season, I think in September, um, he notified me that this bull along with two others and a cow had been spotted down south of where I live, which was probably about a 20 minute drive, like nothing crazy. And so he picked me up that morning and we actually, um, took the drive together and man, like tried to get there before light. And it was probably 9:30, I think when we got into him and the cool thing is that, I mean, this is post rut and end of the season. And for some reason, and this is why I don't have like a lot of advice for you for your hunt, because I'm not sure I've really figured out how to pattern these things. For some reason, they were like kind of a, kind of like acting like they were in the rut. Like these bulls were were sparring right in oh. front of me at about you know 200 yards, and there was a um, cow there that they were kind of chasing around a little bit, which was awesome to see, but kind of confusing. <laughs> sure. And um, I guess the the thing about moose that's pretty different from any of the other, you know, deer companions that they don't move, they're not too spookable. Um, I don't know that he, the, the moose that I picked out to shoot, I don't know that he knew I was there, but I mean, I was able to get into ultimately 110 yards to take the shot, which again, with the 308 was like really comfortable. I could get a stable shot off and um, ended up shooting him twice to put him down. But sure. it was, um, of all those nights of, you know, keeping me up and trying to think how this is going to go and, uh, you know, like what happens if you shoot and lose him and, and you know, it's going to end up taking multiple shots and how bad that could be. It ended up coming together pretty perfectly. So I couldn't be happier about how fast that all went down, but it mm. still feels like it was yesterday. You know, the, <laughs> the adrenaline you get from walking up to such a large animal um, is it's hard to it's hard to like explain that to somebody who hasn't experienced it. Yeah, yeah. I, so a thousand pounds is about what he weighed. I think um, a little bit more. I think I'm told on the hoof about twelve hundred. Oh wow, wow. And I wish I had um, actually weighed the meat because a friend of mine helped me process all of this, or multiple friends <laughs> over the course of the next week. But between the moose and the cow, I've got easily over 500 pounds of meat in the freezer right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Awesome. So are, now are these, are these shearers moose? Yes. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. So you're going to see some much bigger moose than, than, um, the shearers, but it's so from what I understand of all of the subspecies, this is the smallest, which makes sense. Like as you go North, they're going to get bigger. Um, right. and so I wasn't necessarily, going for like the largest bodied animal I could find, but I was sort of just looking for one that I knew was mature and that, you know, you just get that feeling like when you do get a close encounter with an animal and you get the feeling that, yeah, this is the one I want to take. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what happened, whatever that feeling is. Well, you've got a long season to, and, and let's be honest, I mean, all of our listeners know I'm a trophy hunter. I don't care, but you know, <laughs> the trophy is a byproduct of the meat. That's the first foremost, most important thing. But if you have, two and a half, three months to, to shoot one, you, you damn sure better pick out one that's going to make you happy, you know? Be selective, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially with so so little competition. I mean, I was one of three people in it, and at one point at the end of the season, I was the only person hunting full moose, which is a very unique situation. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you can't can't eat the horns, but you know what? I'm looking at a room full of them right now, and they make me happy, so. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, it's about that memory. Every yeah. time you look at that, you're yeah. like, yeah, I know I where I was, who was with me. I could tell you the weather 
and there's probably 30 mounts in this room, and I could tell you the details of, of every single one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. So then I'm, I'm sure you had everyone from First Light on standby to come pack this uh, big boy out of there. <laughs> I think the first text I sent out, I threw everybody on a group text, and I just said, moose down, and my phone blew up. And I, I honestly, I think it, we live in a fairly small town, so I think, you know, within the next hour, pretty much everyone in town knew I had built this town. <laughs> Oh, that's but, awesome. Uh, but How yeah, far in cool thing about, to the backcountry were you? It wasn't it wasn't exactly backcountry situation. So we could actually, although it was pretty rough, we could pull in a flatbed truck very close and oh. literally pull them out whole. Oh, that's cool. That's convenient. Yeah. And for for that, I'd also say like the the extra perk there besides breaking your back is um, keeping a lot of it bone in, which mm. has been really fun to experiment with. Well, you know, it's like um, whenever I take a, an animal in New Mexico, first thing I do is call the stable at the trailhead and say, hey, can you come help me pack this out? I mean, it takes all day to get it quartered up and just to a trail that the horses can get to. You know, that, that's, an, that's an investment right there. Um, yeah. But especially if you're hunting with a buddy, which you weren't in this case, but, you know, for a lot of people, you don't want – your buddy's not going to say, hey, I'm not helping you pack this out because I want to keep hunting. But you – don't want your buddy to not be able to hunt if you filled your tag, you know. So it's like I'm always happy to to have the horses come help me get it out of there. No doubt. I haven't had that experience yet, but somebody introduced me to a horse packer. So I had a couple people on call that could help if it was a gnarly situation, whether it be horses or Ross here in our office actually had some pack llamas available too, mm. which would have been a very interesting way to get him moose out of the woods. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and it's it's easily the best 500 you know it's it's going to cost you 5 to 700 bucks to get a to get an elk out i don't know if if you, if you were trying to get a moose out it probably cost twice that for twice the horses but uh you know for anyone out there who's going on their first hunt you know backcountry hunt this year or um you know maybe they haven't been successful if they do get something on the ground highly recommend that you have already planned or contacted a, a local uh, wrangler or stable cuz it's a uh, a great investment like you said won't break your back <laughs> that's the best advice like do not go in there without an exit strategy because yeah. that would be the saddest thing in the world to end up wasting that from an experience like this i wonder what would happen if i was put in that situation it's like because i haven't and i i don't think that i wouldn't i don't think there's a place where i just wouldn't shoot the animal i would just have to i'd, I'd shoot it and then deal with getting it out you know <laughs> I mean, when you're in that moment, you, you do. I mean, your adrenaline turns on, and you'll figure out a way to do it. And obviously, hopefully, you've got friends to be able to call in as well. And yeah. That um, probably one friends. of the best purchases I made this year was the Garmin Inreach. Um, in an event that I was, you know, unable to call anybody, that thing is a great way to send out like, okay, moose down, come help, or elk down, come help. Mm -hmm. Most of the guys in our office use that, and that's been a really great way to connect in the backcountry. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a, it's a good technology. I did, I had some hiccups with it. They it wasn't working with AT and T uh, on our trip, but it worked for like three days. And and my buddy and I were like, this is the greatest invention ever. And then yeah. the technology, it was something signals crossed with the satellite from AT and T, and so we no longer could text home. They were like, this is the crappiest thing ever, you know. <laughs> but uh, we were still able to get messages out to anyone that had Sprint, so we just had to have a buddy like third party texting our wives to tell them that uh, we were still alive. So yeah, it all good. yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. And I imagine, well, your kit was, I'm sure pretty varied because 
you started in August and ended in mid-November, yeah. so I'm sure you wore some of everything. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a first like through and through, so I I started um, with very light layers, and I actually um, I wear a lot of solids, so I probably um, I'll mix in like a camo wick top, and wick is our ultra light merino, um, mm-hmm. which is great for early season hunting. Um, and then as I get through the season, I just kind of add one layer at a time as needed. And by the end of it, um, new this year that gals should check out is our new catalyst kit for women. Um, so it's a soft shell top and bottom and it's fleece lined on the inside. And that's probably my new favorite thing for those colder days. I think it was probably, I don't know, I'd say it probably was about 32, 34 degrees that morning that I ended up shooting the bowl. And I mean, once you're you're already kind of like shaking it in excitement and like add in cold temperature. It's like the perfect layer for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, that's what I've worn a lot during a, or a lot during white tail season this year as well. Big fan of it. And it cut, it helps, uh, you know, cut the wind. That was one thing I noticed because I wore it in rain, wind, it's definitely water resistant and, yeah. um, it, it, it breaks that wind up. Uh, when it, yeah, it's howling, that is so. the, at the market. The guys, like you said, have been wearing this for a year, so I'm really excited to bring this to the the female community. Absolutely. And we have one other thing to mention before we get off here is uh, there's a new pant coming out that uh, mm-hmm. I'm certainly very excited about. There's actually a couple of new pants, but I think the one that you're talking about is the Guide Light Pant. Guide Light Pant. Which, yeah, that's going to be dropping in April. And if anybody is familiar with the Corgit guide pant that's in our lineup, this is basically our answer to lightweight early season hunting. If you need a durable pant um, that's not loud, that still breathes and keeps you cool, this is the pant. So I'm really excited for anybody who hunts in the South already knows that this is a, a need in your kit. But if you're somebody that even hunts up here in the mountains, pretty much September and October uh, or August. If you're a pronghorn hunter, this is going to be a really needed thing to add to your kids. I'm excited to prefer people to see this here in a couple months. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking spring Turkey as well. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a bear hunter too. Well, Bridget, always a pleasure catching up with you. Congrats on the, uh, the moose of a lifetime. It truly is a once in a lifetime tag. So the, uh, the bull of a lifetime, no doubt about that. Uh, Thanks for jumping on with us. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Cable. My pleasure. Take care. All right. You too. All right. There she goes, our good friend, Bridget Noonan of First Light, head of marketing over there. And uh, truly, man, that is awesome to draw a -a once-in-a-lifetime moose tag. I think in, what what did Bridget say, her second or third year applying? (laughs) I'm sure a lot of folks are extremely jealous of uh, her drawing that tag, but that's the way it goes. Uh, that segment, by the way, was proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they ain't making any more of, my friends, but we all want it. So, what do you do? If you're ready to take that plunge, you want a place to recreate, run cattle, hunt, fish, or just get the hell out of the big city, you know who to call. Lone Star Ag Credit has been doing this for over 100 years. They will help you finance your slice of paradise. Check them out at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we got to go. Got to get out of here. Flat out of time. Thanks to Bridget as well as uh, musical guest today, Parker McCollum. 
We will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of today's broadcast. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. And for every dollar I earn, there's a lesson you learn without me there. And every day I'm on the go, I'm praying that you know your daddy. Cause the hardest part about working hard ain't the bills I gotta pay It's you growing up while I was away